So we are at the end of our hospitality series, and our scripture passage today is from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, some have taught that the Gospel of Matthew can be divided up into five great teachings or discourses by Jesus. And I really like that idea because I think it points to the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible, which would have been kind of the fundamentals for God's people. And so it is as if Matthew is saying to his readers, hey, I've got some fundamentals of Jesus for you. Our scripture passage today is from the end of the fifth discourse in Matthew's gospel. So we're in chapter 25 of Matthew. We're going to begin with verse 37 and go through 40, and then we're also going to read one verse of scripture from Hebrews. Would you read with me? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then from Hebrews, this is chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. So at my house this last week, we're getting ready for Halloween by thinking about what our Halloween costumes are going to be. My kids are planning what their Halloween costumes are going to be. So my 15-year-old is dressing up with some of her friends as girls from the 1950s. And my 9-year-old wants to be a college football coach. So this week we found him a headset, we got him a whistle, we got him a clipboard, and he's good to go. So I suspect that I'm going to still recognize them as Alice and Daniel when they walk out the door on Halloween night. I don't think that I'm going to look at them at dinner and think, oh, look, it's Doris Day and Jim Harbaugh. They've come for dinner. But maybe I will. Maybe I'll think that if their costumes are really, really good. These two passages put together, put side by side, remind me that spiritually speaking, there are some pretty darn good costumes out there. People are not always who they claim to be. We, you and I, are not always who we claim to be. There's some posing and some posturing that goes on among us. So just two chapters earlier in Matthew, so at the very beginning of the fifth discourse, Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and repeatedly, as he's denouncing them, he uses the word hypocrite. He calls them hypocrites. A hypocrite in the Greek culture was just an actor. It referred to one who wore a mask and uh, performed on stage. So what Jesus is saying to the scribes and the Pharisees is that they wear masks. They wear costumes that are really, really good. His criticism of the leaders of the church is three parts. First, he tells them that they say things, but they don't do what they say. The next 
reason that he calls them a hypocrite is he says that you burden other people without failing to take on that burden yourself. And the third thing that he says to the hypocrites is that when you act, you act for the wrong reason. You act to impress other people. So they speak, the scribes and Pharisees are speaking and teaching, and sometimes they're even acting, and they're doing those things for the wrong audience. Their audience is essentially what other people think. Instead of allowing their trust in God to define how they live, they are allowing what other people think to define how they live. I like to think that Jesus is trying to relieve the scribes and Pharisees of their costumes. That he is essentially saying to them, hey, you don't have to go to all that effort. Life is simply in the trusting and the living out of your faith. It's not in giving other people the impression that you are God's beloved child, but it is actually living into that identity Don't wear your belovedness as a costume, I believe Jesus is saying, but instead be the belovedness. Live out the belovedness. Now, by the time that we get to the end of that fifth discourse, to the end of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus has given four parables on the day of judgment, on the day when All truth will be revealed. Um, One of those parables is about the good and the foolish servants. Another parable is about ten bridesmaids. The third parable is about the talents, which, remember, is a unit of money. And so Jesus essentially says that those who invest that talent will be blessed, not those who just protect it. So it's as if he's saying to the scribes and the Pharisees, you've been given these gifts, you've been given the temple, you've been given the law, you've been given the promise that God is going to bless the world through you, and you've taken those gifts and you've buried them in the ground. Get those gifts out of the ground. Invest them. Live out your faith. Don't just say that you're faithful. And so then the fourth and final parable is the parable where our words of scripture came from today. And it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so the shepherd, this parable says, the shepherd is going to take his or her flock and going to separate the sheep from the goats. In the Middle East, uh, what you need to know about a flock of sheep and goats is that they are together. So like on my grandfather's ranch in the hill country, he had a flock of very fluffy sheep. There weren't any goats in that flock, but that's not the case in the Middle East. Even today in the Middle East, goats and sheep are kept together. And so maybe we have a picture we do. That's goats and sheep. And see, they all kind of look the same. So when the shepherd or shepherdess gets the flock home at night and wants to separate them out, the reason that he or she would want to separate them is because the goats are less hardy. So she would cover up the goats uh, if it were going to be a cool night. And the way that you can tell the sheep from the goat is by their tail. If the tail is up on the animal, it's a goat. If the tail is down on the animal, it's a sheep. Here's another way that you can tell the sheep from the goat. 
I, this uh, comes from a friend of mine who recently traveled to Israel. She was watching a shepherdess keep her flock. And what she said about the sheep was that the sheep stayed really close to the shepherdess and they stayed together. But the goats would individually wander off by themselves. And so when the shepherdess would spot one of the goats wandering off by itself, she'd take a rock and she'd throw it on the other side of the goat to say, hey, that's too far, come back. So it is that the sheep and goats can be separated, can be uh, distinguished by what they do. And that's what this parable says as well. That the sheep and the goats can be distinguished by what they do. Their costumes will be taken off by how they respond to those in need. It's as if the heart is revealed, the costume is taken off by how we live out our faith every day. By how we act, by how we respond to those who are in need. The late Fred Craddock preached on this particular text, and when he preached on this text, he said this. I was alone. I had no one in the world. My husband had died. My children lived in another state, but I stayed in a big, empty house. Did or did you not come and see me? I was in prison. I was cut off from society for my misdeeds. I was a criminal, yes, but still a human being. Did you or did you not come and visit? I was hungry. I was peering into a world of banquets and diets. I saw more food flushed down disposals than my entire family had eaten. Did you or did you not offer me anything to eat? I was a stranger. I was new at my job, new in the city, new in the neighborhood, new to an apartment building. I did not know a soul. Did you or did you not introduce yourself to me? Both of our texts for today, the one from the Gospel of Matthew and the one from Hebrews, suggest that the very best costume, that the award for best costume goes not to you or to me, but it's a surprising honoree. The award for best costume goes to the divine. It goes to Jesus. Jesus isn't attractive, as he's often portrayed in Hollywood. But instead, in these texts, Jesus is unappealing. Jesus is even intrusive. You will probably remember that Mother Teresa, when she was asked about the poor that she served in Calcutta, described them as Jesus in distressing disguise. Jesus shows up in surprising ways in our world, in unexpected ways. But one way we can always count on finding Jesus is when we respond to someone who is in need. The early church wrote about seven deadly sins. And what the early church said about these seven deadly sins is that each of the seven of them were ways that we could just eventually destroy ourselves if we pursued them. And one of those sins is the sin of acedia, which essentially means I don't give a damn. I don't care. When all is said and done, these texts ask us, 
Did you care? Did you care for people who were in need? Well, here's the good news. The good news is today is not that day of revelation. Today is not that day of judgment. The day where all is said and done, where the costumes are taken off and the truth is revealed. I was much helped this week by a book called Radical Hospitality from a Benedictine community in Michigan. In it, the authors, one who is a monk and one who is a volunteer in the community, in the monastery, distinguish between the real self and the false self. The real self is the person that God knows I can become. The real self is the self of potential, of becoming. The false self is the costume. The false self is often defensive. It clutches and it mistrusts. Our walk with Christ is a process of becoming more loving and more patient. And who we become is a result of the accumulation of choices that we make each day. And so what kind of heart is being created in me? is the question I want to ask as I move through my day, because this is determined by the choices that I make about the situations that I find myself in and the people that I'm in relationship with. Two stories from the monastery. One was about two of the monks who lived in the monastery. They had been called into the priesthood together. They'd known each other for a long time when the story took place. And the two monks' names are Father Dan and Father Mike. So one day, Father Dan got really upset with Father Mike over an insignificant offense, and he decided he was going to write him a letter and tell him how he'd been wronged. He wrote that letter, and he slipped it under, under Father Mike's door, and then he didn't sleep very well at all that night. Because it's never the person we want to be, God wants us to be, the one with great potential that shows up when we're angry, is it? It's the one that's clutching, the one that's defensive. It's the false self. So, of course, he didn't sleep very well that night. The next morning, the opened letter was slipped back underneath Father Dan's door with these four words written on top of it in ink. This is not you. What I want you to hear in this story is first forgiveness. I want you to hear forgiveness in that story, because that's exactly what Father Dan experienced. The second thing that I want you to hear is that pursuing the fruit of the Spirit, it's always a process. We all do stupid, selfish stuff. You don't have to categorize your costume today. Am I a sheep or am I a goat? This is not the judgment, (laughs) None of us are qualified to make that judgment. We have the opportunity each new day to grow in love. In the fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. And I bet you know this list. What he says about that list is, If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. He is essentially saying, Be aware of the decisions that you are making every day, if they are guided by the Spirit, then you are creating in yourself a heart that is loving, that is joyful, that is peaceful, that is patient, 
that is kind and generous and faithful and gentle and controlled. But if you are not guided by the Spirit, if you are instead guided by your own selfish intentions, then your decisions every day look angry. They look like you're clutching. They look like you're selfish. And that is the essence of the list that precedes the fruit of the Spirit that Paul calls the works of the flesh. So are you creating the kind of heart that sees the needs of others and responds to those needs? The second story that I want you to hear from that Benedictine community is, uh, takes place in the 1970s uh, at the information desk for the Benedictine community. The monks would volunteer to answer the phone there, and frequently they would be asked, do you have a mass on Sunday that's open to the public? They were given a line that they were to read in response to that question. This is what it was. Yes, we do, but it is very early, and we are very hard to find, and we are not a parish. Have a blessed day. The message was clear to those who were calling. Stay away. And the original St. Benedict, he would not have been very pleased with that response. But the thing about the calls is they didn't end. They kept coming. They got more and more frequent. And the monastery eventually heard God's words in that, those calls, and they changed their ways. The monks would say that they loved solitude, and they loved living in a cloistered space. They valued and they loved their alone time so much that they sacrificed their relationships with the outside world. They sacrificed loving their neighbor for their own tranquility. The truth of the matter is, when we love something or someone, we make sacrifices. We make sacrifices for those people that we love and for those things that we love Be careful, the scripture passage tells us. Be careful what you make sacrifices for and who you make sacrifices for. These lessons on hospitality remind us to prioritize because we can't make sacrifices for all people. We can't make sacrifices for all things, even when people are good and things are good. I look over the course of my week, I recognize that over this last week, I made sacrifices for my children, I made sacrifices for my husband, for my extended family, for my church community. I even set time aside to listen to God. But the question that I need to tend to is, did I sacrifice for someone who was at the end of their rope? Did I sacrifice for someone who is in need? Becca Stevens is an Episcopalian priest, and she oversees a community for women who have survived trafficking and addiction. And she, in her devotional book that's called Letters from the Farm, calls Christians to go and visit prisons. What she says about women in prison is that 85% of them, of incarcerated women, are survivors of childhood trauma. And so um, she encourages Christians to go and visit those who are in prison. She says this, 
So if you can't hear a sermon one Sunday, if you can't hear a sermon, go to a prison and let that experience preach to you. I think what we need to hear this morning is that we reach out to those who are in need, not simply to be obedient, not just because the Bible tells us to, but we reach out to those who are in need because that's where the treasure is. That's where what is really valuable is waiting for us. Would you pray with me? Most merciful God, we are grateful for your acceptance and your forgiveness that so often every day work in our great favor. Your ways are not our ways, but we want to grow in your likeness. So create in us humble and grateful hearts that we have room for other people. Provide us with spiritual resources to help other people and the courage to reach out. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.